Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the roll of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is not what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts. Welcome back to Shadows at the Door, the podcast. I'm your host, Mark Nixon, and together with David Alt, we're proud to present productions of ghost stories both old and new alike. We are extremely excited to bring you today's episode. Yes, at long last, we bring you an adaptation of one of the pleasing terrors from the master himself, M.R. James. Regular listeners will know that James is a huge influence on not only the prose, but the entire ethos of Shadows at the Door. Therefore, it is an honor to present an adaptation of one of his finest stories for you. This particular story has seldom appeared in audio drama format before, no doubt owing to the challenging nature of adapting it for this medium. Do join us after the story to discuss the works of M.R. James and learn behind-the-scenes info of the production. Speaking of the production, we've been receiving a great number of queries concerning a second season of Shadows at the Door, the podcast. As such, we released a brief update and call to action just a few days ago. Please seek out this update and grant it your brief attention. But for now, the matter at hand. Let's join our protagonist as he checks into his hotel and enjoy this story named Number 13. So... Gather round the fire, pour yourself some tea, and we'll begin.
So, allow me to recap, Mr. Anderson. While you stay with us at the Golden Lion Inn, you require a room of sufficient size to serve as both bedroom and study. Yes. Uh, but you don't want the best room on the top floor. No, I can't be having with all these stairs after a hard day's work at the National Archives. Well, the rooms on the second floor won't serve your purpose, which means... Uh, one of the rooms on this floor will be your best option. Now, I strongly recommend room 17. Lovely, isn't it? Oh, no. Uh, these windows only look on the blank walls of the next house. Then, Mr. Anderson, your best options will be rooms 12 or 14. Both look onto the street, only a partial view of the next building. The bright evening light and pretty view will more than compensate for any extra noise you may experience. In fact, I might suggest room 12 here in particular. There are three large windows, so you'll benefit from plenty of light while you work the evening hours away. Oh, yes. Oh, lovely view. Such an unusually long room, too. Yes, room 12 it is. Thank you kindly. My pleasure, Mr. Anderson. Uh, do make yourself at home, and please join us shortly for supper. I look forward to it. Oh, um, <clears throat> wait, uh, pardon me. So, uh, this is room 12. Yes, sir. And the next is room 14. Yes, sir. So there is no room 13. <laughs> no. A few hotels in this area will have a room 13. Oh, yes. Hard to let a 13 to the superstitious kind, is it? Yes, I suppose I would give up trying altogether as well, if that were the case. <laughs> Something like that, yes. Uh, good evening, Mr. Anderson. Uh, yes, good evening. Ooh, right then, time to unpack. I do hope I didn't leave it on the train. I am... Ah, Mr. Anderson, can I help you at all? Oh, <laughs> good evening. No, I, I'm, I'm quite all right, thank you. Uh... If I am to sleep this evening, I must read a few pages of my book. It's a bit of a necessity these days. I was just looking for it in my room when I realised I must have left it in my coat pocket down here. And, ah, <laughs> here it is. I trust you are otherwise unpacked and settled, Mr. Anderson? Oh, yes, thank you. And uh, did you enjoy your supper? Uh, yes, quite delicious, thank you. Uh, I look forward to many more during my stay. Now, if you'll excuse me, I will... Uh, of course. Uh, good night, sir. <laughs> yes, good night. <sighs> Tiresome individual. Oh, how 
Strange. I... Hold on a moment, there's... There's someone inside. Oh, wait. <laughs> of course, this isn't my room. Actually, was... Was my room on the left? I could have sworn it was this door. Number 13. So there is a 13th room, huh? Well, I must have missed it. Ah, here is my room after all. been traveling for too long today. I can't believe I missed an entire room. Oh. Come to think of it, this room is not as large as I remember. How the dim light changes things. Perhaps I should have chosen number 13 for myself. For now, though. For now. Sleep. Uh, evidently, I am in need of it. was your first day in our archives, Mr. Anderson? Uh, successful, I hope? Oh, quite so, quite so. Thank you again for making everything so readily available to me. Uh, think nothing of it. It is my duty after all. Even so, I dare say you saved me hours of work. The documents I've seen have been far more numerous and interesting than I'd anticipated. In fact, I found a great deal of correspondence regarding Bishop Jürgen Fries. <laughs> Uh, there were many amusing and intimate details of his private life and character. In fact, there was much talk of a house owned by the bishop, but not inhabited by him in the town. The, the tenant was apparently somewhat of a scandal. A disgrace, in fact, to the city, practicing secret and wicked arts. They say he had even sold his soul. It was quite the scandal, it seems, for such a viper to be patronized and harbored by the bishop. <laughs> I must admit I am not a specialist in the Reformation period, but I must say this is all very amusing. Oh, yes. And our bishop friend met his reproaches boldly. He protested his own abhorrence of all such things and demanded his antagonists bring the matter before the proper court. Uh, that is, of course, the spiritual court. <laughs> ah, but that's as far as I read for today. Thankfully, we do things rather differently now, eh? We are no longer bound by the decisions of bishops. Well, I, I look forward to your eventual publication. Uh, this house of the Bishop Ruiz, I wonder where it could have stood. I've studied carefully the topography of the area, but it is most unlucky that the piece which had the full list of town property is missing. Uh, never mind, perhaps I shall someday succeed to find it. I shall leave you here, and no doubt I will see you tomorrow. Yes, indeed, sir. I have time for a stroll before they serve supper at my hotel. Until tomorrow. Yes, room 13, there you are. It is you, isn't it? Oh yes, 13, clear as day. Strange how nobody at the supper table hailed from number 13, and yet... 
Yeah, there is most certainly someone within. I wonder... This room is most definitely smaller than it initially appeared. Perhaps I shall ask for a bigger room after all. And where is my luggage exactly? Surely nobody has stolen it. Careless servants, no doubt. I suppose they'll be asleep themselves now. I'll just have to inquire in the morning. Still get a charming view of a brick wall. <laughs> Although I can make out the shadows upon it casting from all the rooms. Uh, yes, there's the gentleman in room 11 on the left. I could spot the silhouette of that magnificent beard from a mile away. And yes, here's the shadow of our mysterious guest in number 13. Uh, oh, he's staring out of his window too. Such a s slender figure. Could it be a sheep? Whoever it is, they seem to be in possession of a red lampshade. I wonder if I could get a look at them. No. Oh, oh dear, I hope they didn't catch me trying to peek. Perhaps I should retire to bed too. <sighs> Room service. <gasps> Room service. Uh, uh, um. Oh yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah come in, please. Uh. Good morning, Mr. Anderson. I've brought you some... Yes, I was hoping to catch you. You must not move my luggage, you understand? Where is it? I'm begging your pardon, Mr. Anderson, but it's right there. What? Where? Oh, there, sir, by the third window. Uh, no. Uh, wait. Just you're right. There it is. Exactly where I left it. When I unpacked. Well, this is a rude shock. How embarrassing. I, I have no idea how I missed that last night. Please accept my apology. Uh, please don't trouble yourself, Mr. Anderson. Are you spending the day at the archives again, sir? I only ask so as to ensure your room is well made before your return. Uh, yes, I'm rather late getting up as it is, actually. Oh, but not as late as number 13, it seems. Sir? You left the door open. I can see the boots outside of number 13's room. So it is a man staying there. Those boots belong to the gentleman in number 14, sir. No, they can't be his. Uh, see, look here. Room 11, room 12. 
Wait, room 14? Oh, that can't be. There is no room 13. No, of course not. We don't keep a 13th room. Um, Mr. Anderson, there is a half-finished cigarette here on the second window sill. Would you like it keeping, or were you finished with it? Um, throw it away. But you must be mistaken. I was smoking at the third window on the far right of the room. I don't mean to disagree, but this is definitely the middle window. See, sir? Um, are you sleeping well? Oh. Are you well in yourself? So many stupid mistakes I've made in twelve hours. Perhaps I'm not as well rested as I thought. Uh, really, I'm so sorry for worrying you. Oh, you haven't at all, sir. It's a pleasure to see your appetite return, Mr. Anderson. This morning you seemed a, a little off, if you don't mind my saying so. Hmm? Ah, yes, I, I think the travelling set me back more than I anticipated. So, have you enjoyed more success at the archives, Mr. Anderson? Um... Mm. Quite so, yes, although I was examining some Episcopal correspondence, but the records are incomplete. It turns out my bishop, one Jürgen Fries, died quite suddenly in the midst of a scandal regarding an unsavory tenant of his. But I admit, I have found it hard to concentrate today, and in fact, I was meaning to ask you something. Oh? When I checked in, you remarked that most hotels in this area do not keep a room 13. What, if I may ask, is the exact reason? <laughs> to think you should still be preoccupied with a thing like that, sir. <laughs> I thought about it once or twice myself, to tell the truth. An educated man, I've said, has no business with these uh, superstitious notions. My old schoolmaster set his face against anything of that kind. Uh, he's been dead for some time now, actually. A, a fine, upstanding man he was. In fact, I remember us boys one snowy day and we... Uh, then you don't think there is any particular objection to having a number 13? Uh, well, you understand I was brought up in the business by my poor old father. He kept a hotel in London first, then when I was born he moved here, back to his hometown. He lived here until he died, actually, and I... So, when you came here, was there a number 13? No, 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 I, I was going to tell you about that. You see, in a place like this, the guests are what we provide for in general. And put them in number 13? <laughs> They'd as soon as step in the street. As far as I'm concerned, it wouldn't make a penny difference what room I stayed in, but uh, there are plenty of stories among them of men that have slept in a number 13 and never been the same again, or lost their best customers, or one thing and another. Then what do you use your number 13 for? My number 13? Why, we've already discussed that, Mr. Anderson. There's no such room in my house. Why, if there was, then it would be the room next to yours. Well, yes, only, um... That is, I fancied last night that I had seen a door numbered 13 in that passage, and really, I am almost certain I've been right, for I saw it the night before as well. 
<laughs> Mr. Anderson, I'm sorry, but there is no number 13. Very well. Here's an idea. Join me for a cigarette later this evening. Put my confused mind at rest, eh? Oh, it, it shall be my pleasure. Uh, what time shall we make it? Mm, let us say, uh, ten. Now, if you'll excuse me, I have some letters to write before then. And I shall not even look up as I walk to my room. Not until I have another set of eyes. Is it that my room always seems smaller at night? <laughs> well, there's that fellow next door again. And it seems the man is in the habit of giving vent to his animal spirits when alone. He seems to be dancing. <laughs> Actually, yes, he is. There's his shadow on the wall outside. <laughs> Surprisingly agile for such a gaunt fellow. Come in. Ah, my dear fellow. Good evening. I say, are you quite all right? Is there something wrong with the room? Y yes, I'm... All right, thanks. Uh, can I offer you a cigarette? Oh, that is dreadful. I don't understand it. I, I've heard this once before, but I made sure it was a cat. <laughs> no, 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 it's the man in number 14. Is he mad? He must be. Ah, what a shame. Such a good customer, too, and so successful in his business, and by what I hear, there's a young family to look after, too. Well, he doesn't sound like the man you describe. I beg your pardon, sir, but I should be much obliged if you would kindly desist. Drink if you must, but please. <laughs> What in the name of heaven? Who is singing? Where are they singing? Am I... Am I going out of my mind? Perhaps, my good man, it is coming from your room. Is there a cat stuck in the chimney? Oh, impossible, impossible. There is no chimney. I came in here because I was convinced the noise was coming from your room. It was certainly in the room next to mine. Was there a door between yours and mine? No. At least, not this morning. And what about now? 
I'm, I'm not sure. Well, come on, man. You're our landlord. What does this mean? Good heavens. How should I know? I know no more than you, gentlemen, and I pray I may never hear such a noise again. So do I. We must do something. The three of us. Shall we go and investigate in the next room? Uh, but that's room 14. He just came from there. I'm not so sure. I think this gentleman is right. We must go and see with our own eyes. Grab something, in case we need to defend ourselves. Quite right. Let me see. Ah. All I have is this walking stick. Oh, and here's my umbrella. You must be choking. Would you rather be unarmed? Give it here. All right, gentlemen. Onwards. It's so quiet now. Look, light from under the door. Yes, I've noticed a red light emitting from this room before. It's locked. Sir, can you go and fetch the strongest of your servants? Right away. Let us hope he brings somebody back fit for the task. It is number 13. Yes, there is your door and there is mine. <laughs> you know, my, my room seemingly has three windows in the daytime and two at night. So has mine. Wait. A good God, man, look out! <laughs> Oh, my word! Jesus, what is it, man? What happened? An arm! An arm almost grabbed you! Good Lord! I heard the door open and I... I didn't turn in time. It was horrible. It was slender and... inhuman. How ghastly! How oh, good, our landlord returns with assistance. Oh, what is it? The thing in number 13, it tried to grab me. Oh, my word! No, this is all wrong. This is terrible. I don't know if I can face such a thing after all. But if we do not face it, then the hotel is ruined. Now, hang on just a minute. I was told people in these parts were made of sterner stuff than this. Whatever it is in there, well, we are now four to one. Yes, you're right. Dear landlord, you stay out here with the light and your servant and I will break in the door. Our lawyer friend here will stand at the ready. Now, I see you've brought a crowbar, young man. I suggest you use it. Yes, sir. Now, on the count of three, I want you to give this door all you've got. Are you ready? I am, sir. Good. One, two, three. <coughs> what? The door. It's gone. I don't understand. It's just the plaster wall now. And here is where your blow struck. It would appear, gentlemen, that number 13 has vanished. It would appear so. Perhaps, um, would you gentlemen like another room for tonight? One with uh, two beds? I'm inclined to agree. Let me just fetch my things. Uh, well, look at that. Three windows now.
Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for joining us. That was number 13 by M.R. James, Montague Rhodes James. I'm Mark Nixon, and as always, I am joined by David Alt. Indeed you are. Hello there, Mark. How are you doing? Very well, particularly for today's episode. How are you doing, David? Well, I think my throat has taken a little bit of a beating from all of that, (laughs) I have to say. Um, Because there have been times where I've been amused by by the the notes that writers give. There have been sometimes I have cursed the (laughs) notes that writers give. And some of the stage directions in this particular one were... Uh, and if ever, Mark, you want to release the blooper reel of this one, uh, I'm sure our listeners would would love it. Um, but yeah, two minutes of singing. Two, two three minutes. minutes of singing, yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, you, when you edit enough of David's uh, recordings and you just want to kind of like pull the strings a little bit and just, like, you know, just make him your bitch for a little while. <laughs> Sorry, David. But... One, of, one of my very, very good friends um, who writes uh, Doctor Who um, or has, has written Doctor Who stuff with me playing the Doctor over at Darker Projects. And it's, it's something that has stalled for quite a while in the way that uh, things do in development hell. Um, he always used to say, he gets to 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 get, to make me say the stupidest things. <laughs> so yes, writers have that uh, amazing ability to be able to, as you say, puppet their voice actors. It comes from so, all the frustration of not having a charming voice that we can use for voice <laughs> acting. I mean, let's face it, a lot of my writing is passive aggressive. I'm, you know, angry at the, everyone in school. And <laughs> yeah. Mm, yeah, so so if if there is something that you want Mark Nixon to get me to say, then do write in, tweet us at shadows at door podcast or whatever it is um <laughs> at shadow uh, at shadow so the at symbol shadows at door shadows at door right there's shadows at door <laughs> <laughs> um i have threatened david with releasing a sex tape because not my own sex tape that would be horrific but um i have like this footage of like david having to do heavy breathing and, and of groaning and stuff and you could just edit it all together well, it's it's true. The one of the other uh, stage directions that I always uh, go back to as a as a fond memory was the thirty seconds of sexy noises ending in climax, and <laughs> then ten seconds of afterwards. And yeah, that was great. 
good show. <laughs> and this, of course, this discussion about humour brings us very nicely onto <laughs> Mr. James and Number Thirteen. Yeah, I was just telling David before we recorded that uh, start recording that I am very excited because what has become a staple of this podcast is introduction, spooky story. Talk about Doctor Who and M.R. James and a little bit of what we're meant to talk about. We've already talked about Doctor <laughs> Who. Um, David got that in early. So, yes, we finally get to discuss uh, Montague Rhodes, James, or Monty, as his familiars will affectionately call him. I, I, uh, I think in the background I can see some torches from the M.R. James uh, <laughs> Appreciation Society. There actually is an Mr. James Appreciation Society. I know there is. <laughs> yes, I'm in it. On, on, I, I on... was going to say, aren't you a card-carrying member? Oh, we don't have cards because uh, in the story, casting the runes of Mr. James, if you if you were to be handed a card, you would then be cursed. Ah, right, and and I'm sure that you don't whistle for anything. I do. I I do. Nothing comes. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes, I actually have a tattoo of that ghost. That's how much of a fan I am. Yeah. But yes, uh, Mr. James, who, um, as David and I discussed in episode one, is, is a huge influence of mine, so we won't go on about that too much. But there are many classic Mr. James stories. You know, some have been adapted into audio drama before. There is one coming up from, uh, from Bifflegab uh, very soon uh, of Casting the Runes, that I, the, the one with the, you, you hand the slip, the runes, and you get cursed. I'm very mm -hmm. much looking forward to hearing that. But I haven't heard one of number 13 before. And it was a complete bugger <laughs> to do an adaptation <laughs> of. And I'm, as David has already alluded, with anger in his eyes, it was a bugger for David <laughs> to record as well. But I, 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 I you know what, David, I'm going to say it. I'm going to be confident. I think this was good. I think this was a good job. Wow, that didn't feel nice. <laughs> <laughs> so much of my career is, is me just like just being hard on myself. And the minute you're kind to yourself, you're like, no, no, that didn't, that didn't come out right. <laughs> it, don't worry. You can you can come away from all of the negativity. Step into the positive. It may seem a little bit strange at first, but you know... <laughs> You can come over to us. Come on, oh. say it again, Mark. <laughs> I, I enjoyed that production. There it, we go. It was That's... really good. It was yeah. an enjoyable script to do. Uh, yes, mm -hmm. it was, as you say, a bugger, but it was still enjoyable. The story is actually set in uh, Holland, I believe. I chose to remove all of that because David, as we all know by now, um, is extremely good at multiple accents. But I thought, how many? <laughs> Sorry, um... well, that, that just that was that was deeply unpleasant. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! I apologise for those of you wearing headphones. <laughs> But Dave is very good at different accents, but then is he very good at doing different accents in a foreign country? But we did we did choose to give some of the characters who were local in the story, um, you know, vaguely German. Hang on, that was a bit insulting, wasn't it? How would you describe vaguely German? Extremely German, you know, very good German. I, I just went with stock German. <laughs> Stock German. Uh, oh. The wonderful book, The Coarse Art of Acting, uh, where it describes that you should have stock characters. Uh, and <laughs> when given uh, a role, you say, ah, yes, that's stock character number three. 
old man. Right, okay, cool. I can do that. Yes, yes. Um, but yes, number 13. Absolutely terrific MR James uh, ghost story. It is... Um, I mean, that's the thing. A lot of his ghost stories are called ghost stories, but there isn't really a ghost in this one. No. I'd, when I was writing the script, I didn't know what to refer to the creature in Room 13. I simply chose to call it the Occupant. Mm. It could have been a demon, a ghost, a goblin. We we could name it after the person in the story who it is very much alluded to be. Um, but instead, we went for the Occupant. So it's just another... I mean, I, I this is a ghost story podcast, but how many actual ghosts have there been? Uh, I don't know what has been released up until now, so I can't tell you. <laughs> yeah, it, it was rhetorical, oh, David. <laughs> but yes, but that's it's very much the same with M.R. James. There are not many, you know, actual mm-hmm. ghosts. So, but yes, yeah, yes. Yeah, so, so M.R. James, he he is often credited as being the the father of the of the modern ghost story, where it stopped being overtly gothic and it stepped away from castles and large chested women with candelabras, um, and it became more about your stuffy, sexually repressed academics, which is really just my cup of tea. Yeah. <laughs> and um, M.R. James, of course, he... He was actually an academic. He he was um, dean of uh, King's College in uh, Cambridge. So he he would write these stories for his friends, and he would uh, read them aloud in the Chit Chat Society on Christmas Eve, where they would have a sherry at Wrestle, apparently, <laughs> and and then he would read them a ghost story. And um, I think he was quite tickled with his own, you know, performances. And he often puts very overt working class characters in his stories. So we go, all right, lads, uh, it's me, it's Omar James. I'm not posh anymore, am I? <laughs> okay, that was terrible. Wow. This is why I don't act on the podcast, guys. Um, uh, I, I was wondering <laughs> where you'd gone and and who was... <laughs> Ray Winston appeared. <laughs> it's Grant from EastEnders. Run! <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so there's and, and we we put a little bit into of that into this, you know, you know, David's um, the the room service servant who comes was quite camp, which I enjoyed. Um, that was on purpose, wasn't it, David? Right, David, that was on purpose, right? Right. <laughs> I'm sorry, David can't be here right now. If you'd like to leave a message. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and uh, there's a lot of jokes in the ghost stories as well. I mean, they can, if you read an Emma James ghost story by candlelight in the dark, it can be an absolutely terrifying experience. It can be absolutely wonderful. That's why they're called pleasing terrors. But then he also can't help us off and put the jokes in. <laughs> I absolutely love the bit where um, they decide to arm themselves before they go and <laughs> basically kick the shit out of this guy in room 13. And then it's like, I have an umbrella. <laughs> And I just have this image of like this just landlord just with an umbrella, like <laughs> looking like Sylvester McCoy at the back. <laughs> One line I did cut out though is um, when they all decide that they're not going to confront it. Anderson turns around and goes, "He goes, well, this isn't the Dutch courage that I've heard of. Good lord, what if it was a German in there?" <laughs> I was like, "Whoa, I I'm not going to unpack that. I'm just going to sidestep it." And yep. uh, and walk and walk away, much like how I avoided using Negro as much as possible in the adaptation of The Devil and Tom Walker. Mm, yes. But I, I'm about to break some bad news to David as well, listeners, because um, for the, the, the dinner scene, I asked David to create some conversations to go in the background, and it is <laughs> David's 
best work. <laughs> He's just talking about absolute bullshit and and I edited it, you know, and um, and made it so it was quite subdued in the background, but you couldn't help but tune in on it, even when they were overlapping and like these characters were having this, you know, this conversation in the background. I can hear someone going, "Yes, the uh, the, the carrot museum has just opened," and uh, I went, but they only had carrots, and it was quite boring. And 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 sadly, I had to remove David's like five minutes of just asinine, just, like rubbish. And, and uh, I've had to replace it with like like stock sound effects. I actually managed to get some Germans having dinner there. Oh, so right. some, okay, that's, we have that's right. we have some German probably talking now. about the carrot um, museum, but in German. Yes, <laughs> but because there, there again, this is one of those instances where I was given a a a, a direction by the writer. To say, can you come up with five minutes of uh, conversation for um, having in the background? It can be anything like the weather or a museum. And so I had two conversations, one about the weather and one about a museum. And I just I, I just let I, I went back to my improvisation and, and just thought, well, I'm going to turn my brain off and just come up with the first thing that comes to mind. And, and so for the museum, it was carrots. And then I just rolled with that. And, and uh, I suppose you're not ever going to get to uh, the parsnip exhibition then that's going to be there, Mark. <laughs> it was very much like walking into a New York improv comedy group and there was just a guy from Rip in there. <laughs> <laughs> and his partners were just not coming up with anything decent. It was really good. And, uh, you know, perhaps we can serve it up as some kind of inevitable blooper slash David Alt sex tape reel that we can release <laughs> one day. But uh, it, it really pained me to take it out. But it just, it was quite distracting. Having, it didn't really work out the way I, I thought it would. And mm. I am, I'm going to admit it, you know, and, and for the engineer, the audio engineers who are listening and the editors, I am self-taught. So I, I have been learning this as it goes along. I am also very aware that I think these stories probably sound better the more that I do. Um, so, so the last episode of the season, guys, is going to sound fantastic. But um, the first one, if you're still here, you know, well done. You know, this is your reward. Better production values. But um, yeah, so it, it didn't. You, you do deserve a lot of congratulation for the fact that you are self-taught because having done some fairly simple editing back in the day when I was doing the Jodcast, which is, I started 12 years ago, which is one of those crazy, Crazy, crazy things almost 13 years ago um hmm. i i know what it's like to have to put together a, even a small bit of um of uh script with sound effects etc so to do a full half hour 40 minutes of of stuff you deserve all the props for that Thank you. Uh, that's very kind, David. I am, of course, now very uncomfortable, uh, physically Excellent. and emotionally, but I, I appreciate <laughs> it. I will uh, remember that. <laughs> the British, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. <laughs> uh, David, were you actually familiar with this story before you got your hands on the script then? I, I was familiar with it, yes. Yes, because I, I have read a book of M.R. James' ghost stories, and that one, I do remember it from there. But mm. I, I probably have only read it once and a long time ago. So it was it was nice to come back to it and, and mm -hmm. have some familiarity with it. But I certainly wasn't at that point a rune carrying member of the MR James Society. 
I need to get some business cards done for those guys. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, well, I'm, I'm pleased. I mean, uh, I, I remember I was halfway through the script and I thought there, like, literally any other story would have been easier than this one. <laughs> you know, in, 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 in particular, Lost Hearts or Canon Albrecht's scrapbook, uh, Casting the Runes, certainly. But Casting the Runes is always the one that gets done. The... Mm. I hope people will forgive me if we've already mentioned this, but the films uh, Night of the Demon, Drag Me to Hell, and It Follows are all, you know, mm-hmm. they're all quite clearly influenced by the story Casting the Runes, but because it is such a very good premise as well. Mm. Now, if I'm just going, uh, I'm going to make a little recommendation here. If anybody really wants to kind of emulate the experience of being in the Chit Chat Society, if you ever, if you're in Britain, I would strongly suggest checking out uh, Nunky. It's Robert Lloyd Perry. He has literally memorized a great deal of M.R. James' ghost stories, and he reads them. He doesn't introduce himself. He walks onto the stage as M.R. James in in somewhat of a costume, and he reads the story from memory, and it's perfectly done. And if you want that, that's the closest he ever going to get to having been in the Chit Chat Society uh, one day. But I am... I very much want to go to uh, to Cambridge and, and go to uh, go to um, where these stories were read. Just so that, that'll be almost a black pilgrimage for me. Mm, yes. Um, but I, I'm I'm quite curious to see how people respond to this one because, you know, I, I wonder what audience is listening to us. And and Emma James isn't like he's he's quite different to your creepy pasta and. Although I'm very much more of the M.R. James ilk, I do like a creepypasta. I'm partial to a slender man, yet I won't really read or watch anything with him <laughs> in. I just like the imagery. <laughs> but if people do respond to this one, then and, and if there's a, t- a season two, and I very much hope there is, I, I do think it would be nice to introduce another M.R. James to, to the audience Absolutely. as well. Absolutely, yeah. Seeing as, yeah. Would you have a preference, David? Uh, any particular story? Uh, if I could think of one then I would. I'm only saying this so that you can come in and say which one you would like. In fact, it's there on the script. Pause for Mark to be able to sound intelligent and knowledgeable. (laughs) (laughs) Who could sound intelligent next to yourself, David? (laughs) Wow, that that sounded quite richy. That's not how it meant to come out. Wow, I was trying to compliment him. That's okay, Mark. It's fine. It's fine. Without having done any thinking about it, I think maybe um, warning to the curious. I'll say yes. With, yes, David totally yep. knows what I'm talking about. It is. I'm going to start talking about it, and then he's going to realise you saw it on TV in the 70s. <laughs> I wasn't even alive in the 70s, thank you very much. Um, what year were you born, David? I'm a millennial, thank you. I was born at the beginning of the 80s. Uh, and what's your mother's maiden name? <laughs> <laughs> right, no, um, cast, uh, Warning to the Curious, sorry, is the one where a gentleman digs up a crown that he finds and he, oh, he, he yes, is chased yes, I by... Oh, yes, I know that one, yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Spoiler alert, he's chased by a ghost. <laughs> um, yes, William Ager. Um, there, there's a very, very uh, successful and famous adaptation where, as he's as he's digging for the crown, uh, the gentleman appears. He's like, "No digging here," although he's not Yorkshire. <laughs> I just can't. I can do three voices. <laughs> Ask about my bad Arnold Schwarzenegger impression. <laughs> uh, <laughs> 
yeah, but anyway, that that possibly, without having thought about it, I think that might be a, a, an interesting one. Uh, let the people decide, damn it. <laughs> uh, if people enjoy it, they can they can tweet myself or David and and tell us, please stop or please be more professional in your discussions. <laughs> um, or I I stop listening after the story ends because you're both getting on my tits. I suppose one thing about Mr. James, as we've uh, as we've discussed, is that the stories themselves, uh, the the setup is actually quite simple where you will have an object, haunted or not, or a place, haunted or not, and someone interacts with said object or place, and something appears as a result, and then person tries to get rid of said ghost or gets killed by it. Exactly right. They are not very intricate stories from that point of view, but they are full of the atmosphere and the and the discovery, and that is what makes them rich, rather than uh, uh, twists and turns that you're not expecting. Mm-hmm. I, I think in in many ways the the fact that you you kind of you know what is going to happen, and you are watching the protagonist hurtle towards this in a nice, gentle, leisurely British way, but hurtle towards the ending, that's where the the tension really comes from. Mm. The whole reading so, experience is don't go in there. Yeah, exactly. Or, or don't pick up the crown. Don't whistle. Don't uh, look at the woodcutting. All of this, it, it's, you know that there's something bad. You know it's coming for them. And still they do it. Hmm. You know, James actually uh, wrote an essay on the rules of of ghost stories, and he ba- he basically says what you just said, David. Although he he um, I'm paraphrasing, he says, "Let the malevolent spirit appear unobtrusively to our protagonist. Let the protagonist be happy in his surroundings and, and unaware mm. of the impending threat." Uh, that is a rule that I have used in the majority of my stories. Certainly, uh, if anyone heard my story, Carvin Culler, on the No Sleep podcast, uh, that was very much a modern Jamesian story, uh, where I did deviate from the rules a little bit. Um, but I think as a writer, you do find your own voice as time goes by. Yeah, and I, I do delight in that uh, with Omar with James. And then, of course, he created such interesting threats as well. Mm. The the weird goblin demon slender figure in, in room 13. You know, I mean, you wonder... How much harm would it have done? Had they have gotten there, would they have beaten the shit out of it? And you know, <laughs> you know. But it's just, it's just, it's the threat. And and again, and we've talked about this before. You know, the, the more you see of the shark in Jaws, the less threatening it becomes. And uh, mm. and and that really is is brilliant. But certainly, a lot of people agree with us. A lot of writers agree with us. James has had so many. He's inspired so many in his career. I actually. Um, on a, on a lovely M.R. James anthology that I own, there's a quote from Neil Gaiman on the back. And I actually tweeted Neil Gaiman and said, Neil, what's your favourite M.R. James ghost story? And he said it was Lost Hearts, which of course would be because it's the one about uh, chil- like dead children. And um, mm. that's his cup of tea. But no, certainly James's legacy has been absolutely terrific. Um, I think even Stephen. Stephen King certainly mentions him from time to time in, in his work. Ramsey Campbell... Um, basically every writer that I know socially usually credits James as one as well. So I really do hope everybody enjoyed uh, number 13. I hope everybody enjoyed uh, The Torment of David Alt. <laughs> now that's a story. Mm. The Torment yes. of David Alt. You need to write a story about a writer 
writing for a voice actor. Yes. I mean, it's a bit... It's basically masturbation, but I, you know, like, when did that ever stop? Nothing wrong with that. Yeah, exactly. No shame, guys. Well, do it too much and you'll go blind. Um, <laughs> you're not a parent, are you, David? No, I'm not. <laughs> no, there's probably a reason for that. <laughs> um... Yes, but no. Um, I do, like I said, I do. I do hope everybody enjoyed that, and uh, and then let us know if you want to if you want to hear more from Mr. James. I mean, he's dead, but we'll do our best to bring his stories <laughs> to life for you uh, from beyond <laughs> the grave. <laughs> you know, we almost did Edgar Allan Poe, but I thought he was a little bit too heavy-handed. Mm. Old Edgar. Mm. Uh, the Telltale Heart has certainly been done. Well, still, it hearts, its heart beats underneath the floorboards, but it's dead. <laughs> yeah, it's I mean... It's been done to death. It's the obvious choice, isn't it? Mm-hmm, yep. And uh, a cask of Amontillado has been done a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, Edgar Allan Poe. I, I, I like Poe. Hmm. Um, I've certainly heard more of Poe than most other ghostwriters. And then, of course, we have you, you've got your other pillars of literary horror, such as um, Sheridan Lefanu, H.P. Lovecraft, uh, looks to his bookshelf. Uh, no, that's um, I'm happy with those two examples. <laughs> 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 Certainly for you know for the the, the short story format as well. Um, I don't. Mm. We're not exactly you know the woman in black, of course, is an absolutely terrific mm. ghost story, but I can't yes. ask David to do an entire novel. Well, actually, yes, I could. I'm sure David has many works in Audible, so you're yeah, perfect. It's true. You're <laughs> perfectly capable, aren't you, David? So, yeah. right. Any, anyway, so um, yes, do let us know what you thought and if you would like to hear more from Mr. James. One of the things I liked about this story was the fact that the room actually grew into rooms twelve and fourteen. Yes, because usually it would it would take place in the in the wall if you like that there would be a door and it would go into a room but the room wouldn't encroach on the ones either side like a like a pocket dimension yes yes Mm -hmm. and so i thought that was quite a nice uh oh what's the word i want it's quite a nice device really Uh, and something quite different from other works that i've read before I, I do think that is the benefit of the time that it was written, um, which would have been um, the early 20th century, I believe. Because, you know, we have so many sci-fi concepts now. Mm. There's a, mm. a, a, a show called Doctor Who that you and I are somewhat familiar with. but um, I, I have heard of it, yes. Yes, yes. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think there wasn't so many co- concepts like that. And, and I do love, uh, I mean, if you read the text, and I very much recommend that you do, because we did trim a lot, um, you know, it is regularly described that the, the windows, there's two at night, three in the morning, and and I did put that into the dialogue, and it did become a little bit clunky. It's like, oh, your cigarette's on the second window. You know, <laughs> people don't talk like that, but we also accept that in audio drama, we do need to have mm-hmm. that a little bit in there as well. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I, 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 I agree entirely with that, David. I just, you know, the, the drunk history fan of me really wants to know what would happen if they'd got into the room. Um, <laughs> would it be like watching Frodo and Sam fight Gollum? <laughs> you know, or would it throw a smoke bomb on the floor and then just be gone? Yeah. Mm. 
and they'd be left in in their own rooms or something. No, they'd be stuck in that room, and then they're they're scratching at the yeah. door to get out. Um, shadows at the door, if you will, and and then somebody else checks into <gasps> room twelve, and they can hear the scratching and moaning from that room. Dun dun dun. Ah. There we. Go. So it's number thirteen A. Or number 13, part uh, two. Uh, Mark Nixon's writing process, ladies and gentlemen. You've just seen <laughs> how completely shit it is. <laughs> <laughs> nay, sir, nay. Uh, if my mum's listening, I'm sorry for swearing so much. <laughs> She's not listening. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, uh, join us next week um, for our next Pleasing Terror. And thank you so much once again for joining us in this one. I'm Mark Nixon. And I'm David Alt. Good night. Good night. Or good morning, depending when you're listening to this. <laughs> Smooth. You've been listening to a Shadows at the Door production. Story by M.R. James. Adapted by Mark Nixon. Performances by David Alt. Music by Nico Vertezi. Editing by Mark Nixon. Copyright held by Shadows at the Door Publishing. If you enjoyed this production, please consider leaving a review wherever you listen to podcasts. And we'll see you very soon. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics, and sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot-button issues, and it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.